Good morning, everyone, again. Um, we are continuing our series and the book of Matthew. <clears throat> but before we go on, you know, I, I love the last song we sang. Um, you know, and I love one phrase, that, uh, one few, few lines that says, even when I don't see you working, it never stops working. And <clears throat> while I was just meditating before uh, today, I think it was yesterday or two days ago. I'm just reminded, I don't know if you've watched one of the series of um, David Attenborough was talking about plants, you know, the, the, the life of the secret life of plants. And one thing that amazes me is that for you to see the plant grow, you have to keep watering. And you won't see anything. And then all of a sudden, what do you see? Just see this thing just started. And, and that's the beauty of our God. That sometimes when we go through things, we don't see anything, but we don't stop. Because he never stops working. So if there's something you're praying to God for, you're trusting God for, I just want to encourage you today that don't stop. Because God is always working behind the scenes. You know, even when we don't see anything working. <clears throat> but we know there's a God that does not stop working. You know. And so, just to encourage somebody today. Um, so... We pick it up from Matthew 19. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, last week, uh, Duncan looked at Matthew 19, 1 to uh, 15. And today, we want to look at uh, Matthew 19, 16 to 30. So, that is what we're going to look at today. <clears throat> and it's actually about a man called the rich young ruler. So, that is what uh, we are going to look at today. Uh, the rich young ruler. Four critical questions about the rich young ruler. And I just thought we're just trying to do like a conversation about these scriptures today. Um, so <clears throat> just follow me as I read through and see what this is all about. So uh, verse 16 says, A man came to Jesus, <clears throat> a man, and asked him, Why do you ask me about what is good? Only God is good. If you want to have eternal life, you must obey his commandments. Which ones? Hmm. Do not murder. Be faithful in marriage. Do not steal. Do not tell lies about others. Respect your father and mother and love others as much as you love yourself. Okay. Hmm. <clears throat> if you look at Mark 10, the Bible says that Jesus loved them. And Jesus said, if you want to be perfect, go, sell everything you hold. Give the money to the poor. It's quite interesting, like, you know, <laughs> Jeff has talked about giving money to the poor today. And you will have riches in heaven. Then come and be my follower. When the young man heard this, he was sad because he was very rich. And Jesus said to his disciples, It is terribly hard for rich people to get into the kingdom of heaven. In fact, it is easier for a camel to go to the high of a needle than for a rich person 
to get into God's kingdom. Now the disciples heard this. And then what happened? How can anyone ever be saved? And Jesus looked straight at them and said, There are some things that people cannot do, but God can do anything. Remember, we have left everything to be your followers. All we and then Jesus, Jesus answered to Peter, Yes, all of you. I've come, all of you who have come, who have become my followers. And so in the future world, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, I promise that you will sit on the 12 thrones to judge the 12 tribes of Israel. All who have given up home or brothers and sisters or father and mother or children or land for me will be given a hundred times as much. They will also have eternal life. But many who are now first, will be last, and many who are last will be first. Thanks, John, for that. I hope you guys enjoyed that um, small piece. So today, we want to look at this young man. The Bible calls him the rich, young ruler. Now, here's a man who came to Jesus and came to ask him a question. It's called the rich young ruler. And I was thinking about, you know, the congregation this morning, that how would you, how would this apply to you uh, considering your age? And I once said to a 65-year-old lady, uh, she was going somewhere, I said, okay, oh, you're old. And she actually, I beg your pardon, I'm not old. I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. I had to back off. So when I was planning this morning, I said, okay, maybe I would try and categorize people into three dimensions of youthfulness. Okay, so we have the young, the younger, and then you have the youngest. Okay, so if you are between 0 to 35, you are the youngest. Okay, 36 to 60, you are the younger generation. And if you're 60 to about 80, you are the young generation. And if you're 80, let, let, let's, let's be real, you are getting old. Um... <laughs> Uh, if you're 100, let's be real, you are the definition of the ancient, you know. So, but, but I hope there's no one beyond 80, 90 that, you know, you can relate to the rich young ruler uh, this morning. <clears throat> now, this passage speaks a lot into our society and reveals our priorities and what our heavenly father demands of us. So, there are four questions I want to look at very quickly this morning. Okay, and it should be. So what must you do? What do you lack? What can be saved? And what is your gain? There's a lot of questions in this passage, but I just want to highlight four key questions very quickly. So, what must you do? Now, this man came to ask Jesus, Good master, what must I do to have eternal life? Now, there's something that strikes me first. That this man knew exactly who to ask this destiny-defining question. This man knew exactly where to go to ask this question. He knew that Jesus had the answer to the question he was seeking. Now, this is very crucial, especially as we get to key moments in our lives. And we ask ourselves, who do you go to when you are the crossroad in your life? Where do you turn to? This man knew exactly who to go. He knew exactly where to go. He saw Jesus and he asked him this question. And don't forget, in his day, there were a lot of teachers of the law. 
They were the Pharisees, they were the Sadducees, they were the scribes. It could have gone to different places to ask this question, but it came to Jesus and asked him, what must I do to have eternal life? So this man saw Jesus as he recognized that he may have the answer to the question in his heart. However, he was not prepared for the response, as we'll see later. The real message of the gospel sometimes demands more than you thought of, or offers more than you can ever dream. Now, anytime Jesus is asked a question, now you've got to be very careful, you know, because anytime Jesus is asked a question, he always seeks to reveal the content of the heart of the person. In John 21, when Jesus, you know, you know, died and then rose from the dead. And the Bible says that Peter went a fishing and Jesus saw him by the seashore and he asked him a question. He said, do you love me? And Peter was offended. So anytime Jesus asks a question, he's always seeking to reveal the content of the heart. When a woman was caught in adultery and they asked him, what do you want should we do? He said, if there's anyone amongst you who has not sinned, let him be the first to cast a stone. And the Bible said they all left. So anytime Jesus asks a question, he's not always interested in, you know, the externalities. All he wants to do is to seek the core details in the heart of the person. And so when this man asks him a question, he thought that, okay, I'm going to get an answer. But Jesus began to take him on a journey. Now, I'm happy that you have come today to listen to this. But when you come to Jesus every Sunday, every day, you know, you listen to a lot of messages. How is it affecting your heart? Is it making you to reflect? I mean, last week, Duncan spoke about something very important. You know, every Sunday, you know, we've had different preachers every Sunday that speaks to every core of our lives. When you leave the space, do you take time to reflect? When was the last time you sat down and said, I'm going to minute what I heard today in service today? How does it apply to me? How, does it, how do I apply this in my everyday life? Because what we listen to every Sunday, and, and, I mean, I spend time preparing for this. And I'm sure everyone would stand before you, spend a great deal of time thinking, praying, that God, what, how do I convey a message to your people? And so when you listen to this, do you go back home and say, you know what, I'm going to take a walk today. I just want to reflect on what I've heard. I just want to think about it. You know, it's so important that we don't just listen to these words and then we just leave it there. You know, we, we go back, you know, we don't want to be, Bible said in James 1, that we should not be hearers alone, but we should be the doers of this word. So when was the last time you left church and decided to just be quiet for some time and reflect on what you've heard? Because this man came seeking for an answer. And so when you come, you come seeking for answers. And so please, when you go back, just think about it. And this man needed the right question to ask as well. What must I do to have eternal life? He came seeking eternal life. There's nothing more important to have than eternal life. Nothing is more important while you're still living. I mean, today, if there's a question I will ask myself, what must I do to have eternal life? What can I do? You know, I look at people fleeing their countries, 
And one question I believe will be in your heart. What can I do to be saved from this destruction happening around me? How can I survive? How can I escape from this destruction, this shelling everywhere? And this morning, if you have a chance to ask Jesus a question, what would you ask him? And this man asked him a question, what must I do to have eternal life? He knew the right question to ask. This man knew that he was missing something. He knew that there was something more. Because why would you ask somebody, what must I do if you have it? Because you can't give what you don't have. He knew there was something that he was lacking in his life. And he knew that I need to ask Jesus this. And he was so concerned to make sure that he could live life beyond what he has now. And so he wanted to be very certain what he needs to do. So let's look at what Jesus said. And Jesus said, he said, what must I do to have eternal life? And then he said, why do you ask me about what is good? He said to him, there's only one who is good. If you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. So, now, Jesus said there's no one good. Now, it seems contradictory because, you know, if Jesus is God, why would Jesus say that there's nobody good but God? But I think in this passage that Jesus was not trying to address his own divinity. He didn't want to shy away from what this man was asking. So Jesus at this stage, you know, he wanted to focus on this man because he has asked a question. And he didn't want to start, you know, going to, okay, uh, yeah, I'm not good or I'm good. He wanted to really focus on this young man and the question that he has asked. Now, Jesus began to reveal the content of his heart. Okay, so I think Jesus is bringing to light the conditions in this man's heart that can deliver eternal life. No matter how good you are, you're not. We hear people say, I am a good person. A goodness or righteousness is nothing but feel the rock before God. There's no amount of goodness you can do to have eternal life. So even though the, this, this young ruler has come to ask Jesus, what good must I do? But actually, it was the wrong question. Because there is nothing good you can do to have eternal life. He asked the right question, but it was a wrong question in Jesus' mind because there is nothing you can do. There is absolutely nothing. And if you're here this morning or you're listening, you know, at some point, and you think, oh, I'm a good person. You know, I've had people say, you know, I'm a good person. You know, I don't cheat, I don't lie, I don't do all this bad stuff. So I'm good. And this is this man. It's, as we'll see in the next few verses, that when Jesus began to ask a question, and we'll see how he responded to it, and then we'll see what Jesus says afterwards. So, just look at, um, now Jesus began to reveal the content of his heart. So we'll pick it up from verse uh, 18b. You know, Jesus began to say, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness. Honor your father and your mother and love your neighbor as yourself. And what did he say? I've kept all this. I'm good, Jesus. I mean, look at me, come on. I am the definition of goodness. I mean, everything that Jesus hacks this man, 
It passed. Absolutely. It passed everything. Because everything Jesus asked him. So God, look, I've got 100% record. I mean, look at me. I'm good, man. Jesus. I mean, come on, Jesus. I am a good man. I've kept everything you're talking about. You know, I'm the poster boy of everything. There is nothing Jesus has asked him that he could not say that he hasn't done. He has done everything. And I think most people can say good things about themselves like this. That look at me. I mean, look at me. I'm good. However, Jesus began to reveal the content of his heart. Jesus began to... Jesus looked at him, and there was something he said. So if we look at verse 20, he said, I have kept all this, the young man told him. And then the next question, what do I still lack? I felt it was more of an arrogant question. Now, Jesus, look at me. Jesus, I'm good. What else? Bring it on, bring it on, Jesus. What else, what else? Bring it on, I'm ready for you, Jesus. Because there's not everything Jesus asked him, he said he could do. So it was like, now, I'm ready for you, Jesus. What else can I do? What do I still lack? You know, and if you look at the Mark's gospel I referred to earlier, the Bible says, and Jesus loved him. I mean, Jesus looked at him like, okay, hmm. I just, you know, I, I, I feel it's a conversation because, like, imagine, like, uh, uh, Johnny was reading. I said, okay, I've done all this. And Jesus would have looked at him and said, okay, let me dissect your heart now. Let me look, let me just do an x-ray of your heart. Ah, I see. There's something more. There's one thing. So let's look at verse 21. No, 20, yeah, 21. And Jesus said, if you want to be perfect, go, sell your belongings and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. Friends, Christianity is not something you can hard or do. It is not an hard-on. You know, I, I was a few, was it last year or two years ago, I remember being called by this uh, telecom guy. And he was talking about, oh, you know what, uh, can you, if you take this deal, there's a lot of add-ons. You get like 500 box set of these, you get this. I'm like, I'm not interested because I am not, I'm not going to sit there watching all this. You know, and then the other day, you know, your phone contract is about to end. You need an upgrade. Uh, we're going to give you another phone. Jesus is not an add-on. Jesus is not an upgrade. You can't just live your life and add Jesus on, on top of it. No, that is not how it works. And this man seemed to come to Jesus and say, look, what else do I lack? Because I think I'm okay. What else do I lack? To add on to my life. And Tim Keller said something very profound. He said, Christianity is an explosion that destroys everything about you to make for something new. 
It is not about what you lack. It's about what you don't have. Everything you have is nothing compared to what you lack. Jesus is not an upgrade. He is not an add-on. You don't do an upgrade on Jesus. You are reborn. And that was what Jesus said to Nicodemus in John 3. He said, what must I do? He said, you have to be born again. You have to be reborn. And we see Jesus destroying this man's religious assumptions. The word perfect conveys a message of undivided loyalty and complete obedience to the will of God. If you check Genesis 17 verse 1, you know, God said to Abraham, he said, walk before me and be thou perfect. If you look at um, 2 2 Chronicles 25 verse 2, the Bible talks about a king. The Bible says that he sought the Lord, but not with the perfect heart. So when Jesus spoke to this man, he said, if you want to be perfect, <coughs> go, sell everything. Because the word perfect there, <coughs> excuse me, is all about undivided loyalty and complete obedience to the will of God. To enter eternal life requires surrender to the claim of God on the life. Explain clearly through the gospel of Jesus. In other words, a person must realize that he cannot save himself. And he cannot have God to his life. He needs to realize that I need to come before him and say, God, I'm going to give you my heart. You know, and Jesus wanted this man to know that he needed something that he did not have. And that the way he was looking for that something was for him to completely take everything away and come to Jesus and say, God, I am not good. I am not a good person. And do you know, actually, that Jesus tested this man on the first commandment. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul. He said, you shall have no other God beside me. So Jesus said to him, you think you've passed everything. Oh, let's test you on the first one. Do you love me? If you love me, you're going to sell everything. And by the way, Jesus was so personal with this person. It was not, this is not um, a one size fits all because this man had a struggle with his wealth. And so what Jesus was addressing was his riches because his riches was taking the place of God in his life. And today it may not be riches for you. If you reflect on your life today, what would you say takes the place of God? What do you focus so much on that takes the place of God in your life? Yeah, we come to church, fantastic. But if you were to reflect on yourself today, how would you say you measure up in terms of the value you place on God in your life? What would you say is competing in your heart that do not allow you to give God first place in your life? The difficulty we have is not the difficulty we really think. Jesus often asks for the best, not the rest. In Proverbs 23, he said, my son, give me your heart. So Jesus here was challenging this young man. That if you want to go far with me, you've got to lay aside everything. Come and follow me. 
Because that was what he said in verse 21. He said, then come, follow me. And what, what was this man's response? The Bible says he went away sad. I mean, don't forget, a few minutes ago, bring it on, Jesus. I'm ready for you, Jesus. And then Jesus just <laughs> gave him a deadly blow. Go and sell everything. And the Bible says the man just looked at him and just said, wow, my goodness, sell everything? And he just went away sad. And my question to you this morning, if you are in that situation and God tells you to do something, how would you respond to it this morning? And by the way, this is not, we're not, you know, saying that go and sell everything. Because actually, if you look at Zacchaeus, you know, as in, I think in Matthew, Matthew 22, when Zacchaeus saw Jesus, he was so happy. He said, you know what, God, I'm going to give half of my stuff to the poor. Because for Zacchaeus, riches was not his problem. He was so happy to see Jesus, he was willing to give up things. But for this man, riches was his problem. And so Jesus was dealing with the issue of his heart. In his context, it was wealth. In different context, it could be different things to different people. It does not have to be wealth. But in his own context, it was about his wealth. He could not let go. He couldn't let go. And so what would that be for you this morning? What takes your time? It could be your kids. It could be your job. You know? Whatever takes too much of your time that does not give you priority to God, it could be anything. And what Jesus is saying to this man, give this thing to me. Because I gave it to you in the first place. And how do I know? If you check Matthew 6, 21. Matthew 6, 21. The Bible says something there. It says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be. So this man's treasure is his wealth. And that was where his heart was. And so Jesus was saying to him, No, <clears throat> your treasure is your money. I am your treasure. I am the one that should be your ultimate goal in life. Lay aside everything. Just come. Come, follow me. Come. I am the big, biggest and the most important treasure you can ever have. But he never understood that. He went away very sad. Because the treasure of his heart belongs to his wealth. And so this morning, when you come every Sunday, when you go through life every day, where is your treasure? What do you value more in your life? I mean, it's okay to value things. I've got a family. I've got to value them. I've got to look after them. There's nothing wrong in looking after spending time with my wife, my kids, you know, my friends. There's nothing wrong in that. But much more, I need to value a God that died for me. Spend time with him. Love him with the whole of my heart. Jesus was asking this man, do you love me with the whole of your heart? And that was the same question that Jesus asked Peter in John 21. He said, do you love me more than this? And Peter said, God, you know all things. And you know 
that I love you. You know all this, and you know that I love you. And that brings us to what Peter said and the disciples. He said, who then can be saved? After they have heard all this, they began to ask themselves, who then can be saved? I mean, this guy came, and Jesus just knocked him out <laughs> big time. And he went away sad. And then they've been with Jesus for a long time. I mean, don't forget, this Matthew's 19. For 18 chapters, we've read about the disciples. And then in verse 19, they began to ask themselves a question. And do you also know that Matthew 19 is quite an interesting one because last week, they asked a question as well. You know, last week, you know, when they said, okay, it is better not to be married. You know, because they heard what Jesus said and it struck their heart. I'm like, what Jesus is challenging us with is so hard. It is better we stay unmarried. And today, they've heard some real serious words. And then they're saying, oh my goodness, who then can be saved? I mean, we are not even sure ourselves that we are saved. Who then can be saved? And Jesus said something to them. You know, but before, what prompted them to say that? Because when the man went away sad, Jesus began to use some very colorful words to show how difficult this is. He said, it is terribly hard for rich people to get into the kingdom of heaven. In fact, can you believe this? It is easier for a camel to go to the high of a needle than for a rich person to get into God's kingdom. When the disciples heard it, they were greatly surprised and asked, how can anyone ever be saved? And Jesus looked straight at them and said, there are some things that people cannot do, but God can do anything. You know, I think one of the uh, versions said, with God, all things are possible. Who can save themselves? No one. No one. But we must come with a heart, with a, with a humble heart. They say, God, look, I of myself, I am not good. Because I look at myself and I can give myself a tick. Yeah, I don't steal tick. Yeah, I don't do the stick. And then God asks a question. Do you love me with all of your heart? And I can just say, Lord, help me. I just need your help every day of my life. And I think what, this, what Jesus was looking for with this man was for him to say, Master, just help me. It is impossible to be good on my own. I just need your help. Would you help me? And Jesus would have just said, just follow me. Because I will make you. Because when we follow Jesus, we are able to leave things aside. And I think a challenge for us this morning is this. <clears throat> that for those of us that have been Christian for a long time, if you look at the last few years of your life, how how would you say you're growing? Because we are following Jesus every day of our lives. We should become better, more mature. Because Jesus would demand of us things as we go along. He would say, for example, give me your time. Give me your money. 
You know, spend time doing this. Stop doing this. Because I want your heart, your undivided loyalty to me. Come to him today because all he wants is your heart. Let him direct you. Give it to him. The man left sad. He went away sad, grievous. You know, because Jesus asked him for something. And do you know what the Bible says in 1 John 5, 3? And the Bible says that his commands are not grievous. They are not burdensome. So whatever Jesus asks us to do is something that he knows you can do. And oftentimes we are always like, okay, how am I going to survive? What's going to happen to me? We worry too much about a lot of, you know, details. But all that God wants us to do is just to say, Master, not my will, but your will be done. Your will be done. And finally, when the disciples heard this, he said, who then can be saved? If this rich man cannot be saved, who then can be saved? <clears throat> and Peter asked him the last question. So let's look at the last question. Sometimes you don't realize how much you use when you're, you're, you're talking. That you just need to get some more water. Lastly, what is your gain? He asked. Peter said. He said, Master, do you know, it just feels like the disciples said, okay, who then can be saved? And then Peter said, Jesus, remember. Jesus, can you remember? We left everything to follow you. We're not like this rich young ruler who could not even live his riches. We have left everything. I mean, G- I mean Peter was a, a businessman, a fisherman. He left his boat. He left everything. Was it Matthew who was a tax collector? He left everything to follow Jesus. So these guys have left a lot for Jesus. And Peter was like, so... What's going to happen to us? <laughs> Master, we have left everything to follow you. What are we going to gain? I mean, this was a bizarre question to ask because Peter was more interested in his own portion. Yeah. Jesus, man. So what's going to happen to me? I mean, I've left all this for you. What's going to happen to me now? I need to know. I need to be certain that, you know, you know, it feels like Peter felt like, you know what, I've invested so much in this Jesus. Let me be very careful what I will get. If it's not worth it, let me go. And so it was a bizarre question to ask, but Jesus was very gracious in his answer. Jesus did not look at Peter and said, oh, what a shame. So can you ha- you're asking me this kind of question. When in Matthew 16, I said to you, I will give you the keys of the kingdom. Whatever you bind, will be bound in heaven. That this is Peter. Upon this rock, I will build my church. The gate of hell will not prevail against it. The same Peter, I was be walking on water. The same Peter. Asking Jesus, Master, I've left all. What will I gain? And Jesus looked at him. 
in his utter desperation and said, okay, you want to know, and this is something to encourage us as well, that when you live something for Jesus, he always remembers, you know, God is not, uh, I think, I'm not quite sure, it was Galatians or 1 Corinthians, Paul said, God is not unrighteous to forget your labor of love. I'm telling you guys, whatever you do, God is not unrighteous. But we don't do things because of what we want to get. We do things because we love him. But because we love him, he remembers what we do. But when you do it with the right heart, he remembers. God doesn't forget. God remembers. You know, the Bible talks about even a, a king remembers. I mean, King Azurus, you know. The Bible says, remember the deeds that Mordecai did and decided to honor him. God never forgets. Be faithful in what you're doing. If you're giving, just be faithful with it. Do it with the whole of your heart. If you're serving in church, do it with the whole of your heart. And, and I said with all sincerity, if it's becoming a burden, let us know. If serving is a burden, please don't do it. Because there is no reward for you there. If it's a burden, don't do it. Do it with the whole of your heart. Everything you do for God, let it come from the depth of your heart. He saved me. I'm going to serve him. It's a privilege to stand before you to talk. It's a privilege. And I'm doing it with all of my heart because I have people in front of me and I want to say, I want to bless them. So I'm doing it with all of my heart. Whatever you do that your heart is not there, don't do it. It's not worth it. If you're going to give something for what Jehovah said today, do it with all of your heart. Do let it cost you something. You know, initially I was like, I'm going to give them. I'm going to give something more. I want you to call. I want to feel it. The, oh, my word. I can feel I'm giving that. I'm talking about myself, not you. I'm just saying. You know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. And Jesus said to him, you know what? All of you who have become my followers... In the future world, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, I promise you, you will sit on 12 thrones to judge the 12 tribes of Israel. All who have given up home or brothers and sisters or father and mother or children or land for me will be given a hundred times as much. They will also have eternal life. But many who are now first, will be last. And many who are last will be first. Don't forget, friends, this was Matthew 19. It was talking to the 12 disciples that they were what? They would sit on 12 thrones to judge the 12 tribes of Israel. But do you know that one person at least did not make it? His name was Judas. You know, because at this stage, he was talking about the 12. And he was telling them that if you think you are the first on the row, you are, but you can't be the last. 
Because Peter thought, we are guys, you know, we are the ones following Jesus. Maybe we'll be the first. But there'll be some shocks, you know. I don't know when we get to heaven. I mean, I'm reminded of a man who came last. He was not the first on the scene. He wrote almost two-thirds of the New Testament. He was not there when Jesus made this reference. His name is Paul. He wasn't first. So it doesn't matter how fast you, or how far you started. You can start today. It's not too late. In fact, the next, if you check Matthew 20, the last, that, that last phrase speaks more about it. You know, as we'll see next week or when we have the time to go into Matthew 20. Because it's the parable of the vineyard workers. And Jesus elaborates on that, you know, many who are first will be last. And many who are last will be first. As we draw to a close, I just want to ask you, no one can save themselves. What are your priorities? Have you come to a place where you know you lack something? Don't leave this place sad. You know, I don't want grumpy, grievous people just living this place like, oh my goodness, what has it done to us? No! No! But one thing I would love you to do is to reflect on where you are. Reflect on how this affects you. Are you missing something in your life? We see Jesus here challenging the man's heart. We don't want a new jack reaction. I don't want you to just say, okay, okay, I'm going to do something. No, we don't want that. We don't want you to just suddenly just decide to do something today. No, no. I don't want a new jack reaction. I want you to just reflect. The Lord is, if the Lord is challenging you on something, you know, think about it today. You know, last week we spoke about, you know, different parts, you know. If the Lord is challenging you on something, speak to an elder, speak to somebody. You know, have an accountability partner. Speak to somebody today. You know, we must, you know, Prefer the heavenly treasures before the wealth of this and the riches in this world. What is, what is the Lord asking you to give up this morning? So I invite the band to come and um, we're going to play a song. And I'm just feeling a song to dedicate ourselves to the Lord. And I just want us to think about what we've heard this morning. Is a rich young ruler. You can't save yourself. There is no goodness in us. No matter how good you are, there's something you always lack. And what you lack is not something you can hard on. What you lack is to come to Jesus and say, God, just take my life. Let it be. Consecrate the Lord to thee. Take my moment and my day. Let them flow in ceaseless praise. I surrender to you, Jesus. You know, <clears throat> be my hope. Be my source. Be the fire in my heart. Be the wind in the cells. Be the reason why I live. He's the reason why we live. And guys, if um, you want to respond, I don't know, but I just want to stand while we just take the song. Uh, in your own you know, 
I want to raise your hand to the Lord. That's okay. But I just want you to just say to the Lord this morning, whatever it is, Lord. You know, you can just renew, just make a, a new commitment to the Lord this morning. Lord, take my heart, Lord. You have it. You have it already. But would you just help me to continue to give my heart to you?